the Holy Gospel, <coughs> excuse me, the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. What are you looking forward to? Is there a family gathering around the corner? Christmas is coming up. Any gifts that you would like to receive? Or maybe it's retirement, a vacation, a marriage, grandchildren, children. There are lots of things to look forward to. What about Jesus Christ's second coming in power and great glory? Is that on your list? Probably not. There's a proverbial saying, it's not the end of the world, and folks say that when something has happened, but, you know, it's not that bad. It's not the end of the world. And behind that saying is a belief that the end of the world would be a bad thing. And I suppose that's not unreasonable. The end of the world would mean the end of our earthly activities. This earthly life moves into the past. A somewhat unknown future rushes upon us. And it's always scary to have the things that we are accustomed to fail and to not know exactly how everything is going to go in the future. You who trust in Jesus, though, should not be afraid of him coming in power and great glory. Not being afraid is not something that you can just do by stealing your nerves and saying, I'm not going to be afraid. That's not going to work. There's only one reason why you should not be afraid, and that has to do with God doing something and that is him giving us his message of the gospel. The, the message of the gospel is the good news about the relationship between God and us. The message of the gospel is that foul sinners 
on the one hand and a righteous holy God on the other have been reconciled by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. This means that when Jesus comes, our future with God will be different than what we otherwise would expect. What is it that we otherwise would expect? Well, an honest look at what we've done will quickly give us that answer. We haven't done what we should have done, and the things that we should do, those are the ones that we haven't done. Meeting our Maker face to face immediately thrusts us before God's judgment. The books are opened. There's nothing that is hidden that won't be revealed. So what we would otherwise expect, apart from the Gospel, is that we would be horrified and ashamed. And this is a stupendous divine truth here that is not often acknowledged. Paul calls this the ministry of the letter, and the glory of the ministry of the letter is so magnificent that nobody can stand to look at it unless he has first turned to Christ. The glory of the letter of the law is the way that it brings death and eternal death to all who have not fulfilled that law. This stupendous truth based upon how I have lived with all my sin means that I should be punished by God, that he should snuff out my life, that I should go to hell. Now, no matter how stupendous this divine truth is, and it really is a stupendous truth, it isn't even close to being the most glorious, at least according to Paul. Paul says that there is a ministry of the Spirit instead of a ministry of the letter, and this ministry of the Spirit is far more glorious. And what he means by the ministry of the Spirit is the preaching of the Gospel. The Gospel declares that Jesus has taken our place, that God is well pleased with all mankind because of Jesus, and that all who believe in him will have eternal life. So let's go back to how we might feel about the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody has at least a little part of them that is afraid. To be perfectly unafraid would require a perfect faith. And nobody has that in this life as we have to contend with God's enemies, the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. There's an element of fear in each of us because the law is true. The law says that God should punish us for our sins, and we all know that we have sinned. But here we should recall something that happens so often in what has been recorded in the Bible. So often in the Bible, God's people are surrounded by terrible facts, terrible laws. People get surrounded, for example, by water, or they get surrounded by enemies, or they get surrounded by lions, or they get possessed by demons. And all these facts and these laws seem to lead to one conclusion. You're lost. You're doomed. 
But into these terrible situations, God steps in and says, do not be afraid. God says, do not be afraid countless times in the scriptures. It's as though he's saying, I understand that these laws are all calling for your destruction, but I am the Lord of all laws. So be still and see how I am God. And so on Judgment Day, we will be witness to the workings of laws that are more stupendous than anything we might be familiar with in our earthly life here. Even the laws of nature will do strange and unheard of things with the sun and the moon and the heavenly bodies. And as Amos says in our Old Testament reading today, there will be nowhere to turn, nowhere to be safe. The only one to whom we can turn and in whom we will be safe is in fact that very God who is Lord over all these forces. That is the only one to whom we can turn. The one whose laws seem to be ripping creation apart. How necessary, therefore, is the ministry of the Spirit, the word of the gospel, for such a time as that, through which God says, basically, do not be afraid. The law has called out for your punishment, but I have silenced all of the law's accusations against you by sending my son to die in your place. So what we can see from all of this is that the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, is tremendous. Nobody will have experienced anything like it before it happens, and it should not be taken for granted. Some future event that's nothing to get excited about. If ever we have been excited about anything, then this day must provoke the greatest excitement. There is joy for those who believe on that day. But as we think about it now, there's an element of fear too. We see this in our gospel reading. Our gospel reading is a parable about the end of the world. Jesus is the groom, the bride for whom he is coming is the holy Christian church. The groom is coming for his bride because he loves her. The overall mood of the parable is by no means sad. The ten virgins are not dreading the coming of the groom. If anything, they are sad only that he has been delayed. But then the thrilling cry comes at midnight. He's arrived. Come out to meet him. And those young women must have been roused from their sleep with great happiness. Today's the day. He's finally here. It's like Christmas morning. You don't have to prod the children to get out of bed. They come a-running like calves out of the stall. They can't wait. But Jesus also has a reason for telling us about the foolish virgins as well. Their joy quickly turns to dread. They've forgotten their oil. And they can't appear before the groom like that. Maybe they can get some from the others, but as it turns out, no, they can't. Each must believe for himself or herself. The borrowing of somebody else's faith is just simply not possible. And while they have gone in search of some way to be presentable to the groom, the doors are shut. 
And that shows that the time of grace has ended. The time of preaching the gospel and administering the sacraments has ended. Jesus finished his parable by saying, Watch, therefore, because you do not know the day nor the hour. And that helps us understand what happened with these foolish virgins. Watch, therefore, for you do not know the day nor the hour. And it also helps us so that we will not end up in the same boat as they. It is not only possible, it is actually easy for people who self-identify as Christians to quit watching for Christ's second coming. It's easy. And what do they look for instead? Generally, it's all the lovely gifts that our benevolent Creator gives us in this earthly life. And they truly are lovely. They look forward to retirement. They look forward to vacations. They look forward to good times ahead. There's no watching or waiting for the day of the Lord. The glory of the ministry of the Spirit leaves them cold, and so do the terrors of the law. Usually, they say, at least to themselves, if they've been raised in the church, well, we know all that stuff already. There's no need to go on talking about it. And off to sleep they go. So how do we keep watch? And how do we keep oil in our lamps? How may we be prepared for Christ's second coming? You might think that fear should do it. However, fear of failure or fear of punishment will never do it alone. If you prepare only by being fearful, then you're really treating God as though he is your enemy. And perhaps by fear you can prepare for battle against this enemy somewhat, but I don't like your chances in a fight against that enemy. Fear alone won't do it. But to be honest, an excessive fear of God's judgment is hardly a, prom uh, hardly a problem among us. Among us it is rather the opposite. Fear of the day of judgment is shrugged off. No big deal, or it isn't talked about. A person might wonder as they hear this parable why it is that these church members, these foolish virgins, were so unprepared. Well, might it be that when they congregated as a church, they never talked about Judgment Day? Or it was just explained away as something not to worry about? Do you realize how rare it is to find a congregation that takes God's judgment seriously? Our land is littered with churches, but I don't know if a tenth of them take such things seriously. And yet they are all filled with well-meaning well people who are quite sure that they are just as Christian as anybody else. However, it is a Christianity that is on their own terms instead of God's terms and a redefined, seemingly improved or more palatable Christianity might be successful by earthly measurements, but true Christianity has an, a, an altogether different objective. It is to prepare us for this very day so that we're ready and for the life to come. 
So we dare not shrug off this day, nor the fear that it tends to provoke. Nevertheless, only that person is truly worthy and well-prepared who has faith in Jesus' words. That, that is how you are truly prepared. And what are Jesus' words? You know them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that all who believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. And is not this groom that we're waiting for, isn't this the groom that's hastening to the bride whom he loves? He wants to be with her. These are the facts of God that overwhelm all other facts, regardless of whatever glory they might have. Jesus' love for us, redeemed sinners, is more glorious. The Christian strength is never in fear. Fear can be helpful. It can wake us up from our sleep. It can pull us out of some ruts. However, fear cannot get us one inch closer to peace. It cannot get us one inch closer to the knowledge of God. What's required for that is God's unfailing promises in which we believe. The day of the Lord, the day of judgment, lies in the future. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. If ever we have looked forward to anything, then we should look forward to this day. It is truly a thrilling cry to hear, Wake up, he's here, come out to meet him. May God bless you with faith so that that day, you may meet that day with the inexpressible joy that it truly deserves. Please stand. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.